0: Welcome! You're listening to Full Quiver Parenting. We're your hosts, Lydia
1: and Stephen Braun. And here we talk about the importance of parenting. It takes God at his word so that when we face trials and oppositions and meet our enemies at the gate,
0: we are prepared to do battle with the spiritual powers of darkness, demolishing strongholds and arguments as we take every thought captive for Christ. Well, let's dive right in this tonight. We're going to be talking about division in the home over children. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Maybe kind of a weighty topic of things, but I think it's something that needs to be addressed. We've we've gone through this so far, sharing a lot of our personal stories and kind of what has brought us to the place where where we're at and our journeys in God's word and coming to the space that our family is where it is today. And we wanted to do that to kind of paint a picture to give you an understanding of where we're coming from. but. I'm guessing that the majority of people who are listening to this podcast are people who are already parents. There's already a a family established. Um, And you're in a space where this stuff is maybe new, or maybe it's stuff that you have already been thinking about. Maybe God has already put this on your heart, but maybe you're in a place where your house is divided on the issue when it comes to children. I think that there's a lot of people that we've encountered as a couple that that issue just isn't really settled for people. Um, And and I, I feel like we had such a blessing of, of walking through that prior to marriage. It was something that we had a conversation about prior to our engagements. And that has been a huge blessing to us. But what does it look like to walk through those things when you're already in the midst of a family and, and I think we want to just kind of focus in on how did we walk through that, and what's a good way to walk through it that is upbuilding and compelling and helpful uh, in in bringing a divided house into unity. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think one of the first things, and this is uh, a weighty topic as well, is being on the same page spiritually. If you have a um, professing believing spouse who does not walk with the lord it makes it very difficult to have this conversation because there has to be growth and just as paul said like i'm the chief among sinners and he i mean we look at his life and go he was pretty pretty righteous like he did all of the right things except for you know trying to murder christians at one point but even but, that
1: he was doing it yeah to try and serve god yes
0: i mean he was very adamantly zealous for god even though he was wrong but what I mean by that is, um, he calls himself the chief of sinners. And if he's the chief of sinners and he's like, wow, his, his life looked pretty good. I want us to go back to the beginning of saying that this Christian walk is not one of I've arrived finally and I am perfect. No, it is a continual, uh, identifying and seeing our sin. And instead of using that as a a weapon or a tool of, uh, like, you're sinning, or you're, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin, and we have the choice of either pushing back against it, or being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And that is, those are our two options. There's no in the middle sort of kind of ifing it. It is either one or the other, and that is more telling of our relationship with the Lord than anything. How we respond to conviction.
1: So, and, and sometimes it does take uh, a season of conviction and yep. and kind of getting poked and prodded along. You know, I think about that with Paul mm-hmm. that finally he has that road on road to Damascus moment. And was it that God says to him, it is hard for you to kick against the goads on that image of just fighting the yoke of, of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we can enter into those seasons. We can be stubborn. We can be that Jonah who goes against the word of the Lord and, and turns the opposite direction, but the hound of heaven, who pursues us, will pursue us even when we go in the opposite direction, and will even use a large fish <laughs> to swallow us and spit us back out to bring us back to where he has us. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a that's a really powerful thing for us to know, and brings our spirits to rest when we're in a space of being divided, but it really is. It's, it's a lifelong journey. You know, there's a reason why Christ says, um, if anyone were to follow after me, he must daily take up his cross, deny himself, and, and to deny me. himself and follow me. It's a daily dying to self. Um, and Paul talks about it so much that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we need to be taking our thoughts captive for Christ. Mm-hmm the Christian life, it is a life of coming into and living more into Christ likeness. It is, it is a lifelong process of sanctification. Um, and I think too, of like, you know, the story of, of the Kings, you know, you see lots of Kings of Judah where it's like they, they were righteous in serving the Lord, but in this area they failed. And that's what we want to talk about tonight is that those areas, those strongholds that may hold on to families and generations, because there are certainly many, many strongholds uh, that plagued the kings of Judah, where they they were righteous in following the Lord, but they, they did not didn't
0: destroy the Ashtareths or, yeah, or the high worship. places. They left. Know, them. They
1: left those things, and it was a battle that the next generation had to face, and unless if they really were zealous, it was something that just kind of continued and the the people became complacent Mm -hmm. about it. And so this is about a battle that is happening in our families, in our homes, that we need to be aware of, that we need to be aware of, that we are active in participating in that.
0: And it's not always a physical battle oftentimes it's in the spiritual realm and to be able to take every thought captive for christ um and reminding what is ephesians that says uh you know our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers authorities and principalities of this evil age and that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to christ and to put on the full armor of god because one of the issues that we have is we if we don't put our shield up the shield of faith we get hit by the fiery darts of the evil one when we are afraid and fear uh what is that The fear is the mind killer but uh perfect love casts out fear is to do with punishment and how often in our world the very first thing that is brought up is oh well if i have more kids i'm going to I'm going to suffer consequences and a negative if I won't be able to handle it or we won't have finances to provide for them or all of these things that just come back down to fear and fear of man proves to be a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Yeah. So well, let's go to the Matthew passage right now and talk about that.
1: Yeah. We're just going to talk about, you know, the, the center of what it, what a, a divided house, how it functions. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter, uh, 12, and this is after, um, the Pharisees are accusing him, saying that he's casting out demons by the power of Satan. Um, and this is this is Jesus' response to that. He says, "Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. Any city or house divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebul cast out demons." By whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property, unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? And that's Matthew 12, 25 to 29 out of the Legacy Standard
0: Bible. So. Yesterday we were. I was actually watching a reel, and we went, "Oh, this is so good for this <laughs> podcast that we're talking about." And that is talking about. Um, they did this study, and the study was of they did a got a whole bunch of actors into a, a doctor's office, and anytime the bell rang, everyone would stand up. And so they brought in people who one at a time, one at a time, who were not actors, who were just coming in, and. As soon as the bell rang, everyone stood up. There were actors. And this one person's like, what the heck is going on? Why are they standing up? But after two or three times, they start standing up too. And then slowly, one by one, the uh, actors get sent, you know, to the doctor's office or wherever they were. And at the end, it was only people who had come in who were not actors. It was just people, normal, normal people. And they were standing up all together every time the bell rang. And he talked about conformity and that the sp- <laughs> we as human beings are under sin. We have fallen because of Adam and Eve's sin, our, fa- our, our p- great 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 grandparents who sinned and are under the uh, weight and slavery to sin. So that picture is saying, you know, just like these actors trained these people, to stand up and sit down, and they have no idea why yeah, they're doing the, it.
1: No, none of them knew none. what. They're just doing it because that's what everyone was doing.
0: Conformity. And the whole point at the end was, that's how Satan does it. Satan has disciples too. And a lot of times, if, again, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, we don't know why we're doing it. We have no idea, but we're doing it because everyone else is, and we don't want to stand out. As opposed to Satan is very, very shrewd, and he knows how to disciple his people to trick and deceive God's people unless they're in God's word. And so this aspect of children and, uh, family, like if you can bind the strong man, you can destroy his house. You can steal everything from him. And what is it that Psalm is it? one twenty seven says children are not just a blessing from the Lord. They are their inheritance from the Lord. Oh, so Satan is a thief and he wants to kill and steal and destroy. So of course, what is he going to try to steal the inheritance of God? Boom done what is he trying to steal he is trying to steal our inheritance because he wants our inheritance yeah
1: and we look at the image in in revelation when it talks about the the woman who's giving birth Mm -hmm. and the dragon is there ready to devour it's that picture from the beginning and the the words that god spoke over uh satan the serpent in the beginning saying i will put enmity between your seed uh and her seed um there's going to be a war there's going to be a battle and satan Delights in devouring the children of God. Yes, he delights in it, and we are born, as Lydia said, we're born into sin, and so our natural inclination, going back to that that uh, video we were watching, is to follow after Satan. That's how we're born. Yeah. Uh, Jesus says to the Pharisees, He says, "You're not sons of Abraham, you're sons of Satan. You, you do what your what your father does." And, and we're born as children of Satan because we're subject to, from the beginning. To, to sin, uh, born into sin. And so that is, we are born into a world of lies. And that is the native language that we understand are the lies of this world. And so that's why Paul is so adamant in scripture and saying, we have to take every single thought captive for Christ. That journey, as we said a little bit earlier, of the christian life is learning to take a hold of those strongholds of satan that are in the world that we are all born into that our families have been practicing for generation to generation and taking those captive for christ Mm -hmm. that is what the christian life is about and so when when we're walking through these things and we think back to those those kings What are those strongholds in our life that are doing those things? Um, And, you know, like nations, we have different cultures. It says, you know, there are different principalities that stand over different nations and different regions. Um, There's a lot about that in in the scripture. And so we have to think about our context that we're born into. What is it? You know, in our context here is, you know, in, in the United States. What is it? How is the family viewed? How are children viewed? And how, how is marriage viewed? How has that been changed? And this is something we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Um, we're, we're getting ready to, to launch a series talking about kind of the history of the story of, of the world and, and the history of the story of God. Because we really only have two stories that we can live into. And so we're talking about how does the family live into the story of God? And it starts with how we view the family the purpose of marriage, the purpose of family, and what we're doing. And that's where we start our conversation. That's where our conversation started um, before we were married, when we were still dating, Mm -hmm. and how we got onto this topic, because we were divided at that time. And it was something that I'm, I'm so thankful that you had strong convictions on those things, and that as you told me, like it would have been a deal breaker for us. And I completely agree with that now, um, even though we were not on the same page for things. And so we want to talk about how can we talk about these things in the setting of a divided house? Um, you know, whether, whether you, you're married and have kids, whether you're married and you don't have kids yet, and you're thinking about having kids, um, whether you've had kids and you're, Maybe in a space where you've decided not to have any more and now you're thinking, well, maybe I do have more or maybe you're engaged or maybe you're you're thinking about dating. and, And what is this about? We want to talk about tonight how we had that conversation as a couple and use kind of that the biblical framework of how that topic was addressed and what was spoken in our conversations with one another as a tool that may be helpful for you. In having those conversations in the midst of a divided house.
0: First thing, don't just come up and say, we are sinning and you need to change. It's really not helpful. No one's going to, because here's the thing. When you first bring up this conversation, I mean, you probably have brought this up to different people or even, um, to friends. How do you talk about this? And a lot of times people will feel judged immediately without even hearing what you have to say, because, um, sometimes, The conviction has already been there and they, this is an uncomfortable topic because they feel conviction or guilt over their decisions. And that is not the purpose of the conversation is not to bring guilt because guilt does nothing. It just separates people. That's really what it does. And so when I brought it up to him, actually you brought it up first because he had said, you know, to, to stabilize a marriage, you want to have five years of being a couple before, having kids so that you stabilize the marriage. And I was like, yeah, that's a bad word. Anyway, just like, that's not, it's not true. But anyway, yeah. I didn't say it like that. And
1: I can't just to give a little context. I came from a framework a church that was teaching on, on marriage. I, the church had gone through a really in-depth study on it in sermons. And there were small group conversations and stuff on it. Um, and it was said, how selfish would it be to bring, another person into the world in an unstable environment oh my gosh and so the marriage has to be stable in order for it to be right to bring a new person into the relationship
0: so this is where you ask the question well what makes something stable because you're telling me that what makes your relationship stable is your circumstances not something else that's holding you together. And if it's your circumstances, you will never be stable.
1: Yeah. And that's what comes back to the marriage vows that are made, you know, in this, you know, in, in the, the classic marriage vows, in sickness and in health and plenty and in want, uh, those things. It's it's saying, I, I vow to, before God, in the presence of God, I make this covenant with you and I vow that I will be your lawfully wedded husband, your lawfully wedded wife, in any circumstance yeah and so it's not circumstantial and anytime that we put circumstances on it um the, the relationship never yeah, yeah it's going to strain the relationship and, and those things are, are never going to come um I, you know i think about that if i had followed that plan through uh and try to get to a stable space um we have yet to get to that stable <laughs> space. Just going to be honest. Yeah. We have yet to get to that stable. Not not that our relationship is unstable, mm-hmm. but the circumstances that our family has undergone, we have yet to have come to a space of uh, worldly stability. Mm-hmm.
0: But I wouldn't trade our marriage for th- those who have financial stability. I wouldn't. No, because there's something even greater that God is doing in the midst of it, because again, it's not our story, it's his. But going back to when we first had that conversation, um, stopping and asking why, because when you ask the question, why, what is the purpose of marriage? If people say, oh, it's so that you don't keep sinning because you can't control yourself. Well, that's just like another form of sexual idolatry. It's just using another means. It's not dealing with the actual heart problem. It is. It's just switching it and, and making it holy in some way.
1: Yeah. And that's not going to solve the problem. No, right? it's you're going to continue uh, yeah. to have it. I mean, like Paul does say, if you burn with passion, get married. But there's also that we're not in a space of lusting, yeah. um, a, a lustful marriage. Um, the Hurts. fire will burn out and you will turn to other things. Um, because that is the human heart craves and the human eye is never satisfied as a uh, says. And so until we find our satisfaction in Christ, th- it's marriage isn't marriage isn't to solve your problems.
0: No. And Paul says it's going to be harder in some ways. I had someone reaching out to me and saying, well, you know, Paul says it's better not to be married. So, you know, why, why would people get married? <laughs> it's like, cause God also calls you to marriage, like depending on the person he also calls you to marriage and it's a good thing because he also is seeking godly offspring. So there is that.
1: Yeah. And in the context of that, Paul is saying it's, it's better for the sake of being able to minister the gospel uh, and, and flexibility in terms of you can go anywhere on mission uh, for the Lord. You don't have the responsibilities of a family. Uh, you can get up and go like, like he did. So in that context of missionary ministry um, it's, it's better, but only for those who God is gifted with celibacy. And that's, that's what Paul prefaces it for. He says, if you, if you're not gifted with the gift of singleness, he says, get married Yeah, because it's better for you to get married. That's the, that's the thing that God has designed. God has designed us for marriage. And I think that that's something that another story that has crept into the church is saying that, um, you know, marriage, marriage was the original design, but because of the fall, Now, not so much. And then the only reason why people were getting married was because they were waiting for that promised seed that would bruise the serpent's head, who is Christ. And now that seed has come, there really isn't so much of a point for children in Mm -hmm. marriage. Um, It's just it's something you can do, but it's not required. It's not it's not required. It's not it's not what God has necessarily designed. But that is not what Paul says. That's not what Jesus says uh, about marriage. Marriage is still held in very high esteem because that is what God has designed. Uh, You go back to the original design and it says that he designed them male and female in his image. And it says that therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they two shall become one flesh. And it's in that union that we image God. And that was the really big thing in terms of like we talked about. It's not just going up to uh, in a divided household situation saying we're sinning. We have to have babies because God says we have to have babies. There's
0: legalism again.
1: That, yeah. That I mean, then you're just stuck in the same cycle. It's like, oh my gosh, now I'm obligated to do that this thing. And and Christ has freed us from the law. It's not a it's a, not a matter of it being yoked to the law, of like God says you have to, so do it. Um, he changes a, your heart. Right. And so, what is it that the family? The point of it? We said this in one of our earlier episodes. Of the point and purpose. Of marriage is to image God.
0: And this is something that I'm going to touch on really quick. And that is in this, in our current cultural society, where now two men are more excited to have children or two women are more excited to have children than the design of family of a man and a woman. Um, That is extremely saddening to me because it's showing again the distortion that we've decided to walk along in the discipleship of the devil because the devil does seek offspring too
1: yeah and it shows our priorities and you know that's what we're going to be talking about when you get into the history of that that in american culture the priority has switched and children having future generations is no longer the priority um, the the pursuit of happiness for me mm-hmm. is what has overtaken it. It's it's the the individual and what I can do. The consumerism idolatry that the American dream has been twisted and turned into uh, has become self-absorbed, and so there's a selfishness that plagues all of us in this culture that we have to break free from. And see that this is about more than just us. It's about eternal matters. And it's also about what is God doing in the generations? Mm -hmm. And as it says, he was seeking godly offspring. Yeah. And that's, that's key. So we when in that conversation. It was, it was you. You were asking me, why, why do you think that that's best? And you know, I, I had some, I had some personal fears behind that. I thought, you know, oh my goodness, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm the best husband I can be. And that our relationship is established. I don't want to mess up a kid that like it was, there was a really deep fear. Yeah. Like I'm going to mess up a kid if I'm not there. Um, and so we kind of, we talked through some of those fears you listened to where I was at in that, but then it we, you started asking questions about what what is the purpose of marriage? Why are we doing this? What, what has God called us to? And I was taking classes in systematic theology, and we were talking about the Trinity.
0: I may have tricked him just a teeny bit.
1: And so he was asking, you know, how are we made? Who, how has God made us? And where does life come from was the big question. Where mm-hmm. does life come from? And I was like, well, it says that God created all things. And, he's, and you asked, you know, how, how have we been made? And I said, we've been made in God's image. And you said, who is God? Mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
0: And out of what? Out of the, the love of the Trinity, what happens?
1: There's an outflowing of life. That's where creation flows from, is is from the, the love of the Trinity. I There's a great book, I referenced this earlier too, uh, Michael Reeves' Delighting in the Trinity, mm-hmm. and saying that, you know, other... Other stories, uh, other religions, you know, most of them are, are monotheist gods or there's a, a pantheon of gods or, you know, there's this just overall um, impersonal substance that that they call God. In all of those, there's never satisfaction in whoever is the creator, whether it's, you know, there was a war and out of that war between the gods there there was creation and it's like this cosmic Accident. accident. Um, whether there's one lonely monotheistic God who just just needs us to worship him because he needs an audience for himself. And now it's this narcissistic God that you're serving, um, or, uh, and totally impersonal where there's, there's no personal relationship or connection only in the Christian faith. Do you see that picture of Godhead that is fully satisfied Fully in in complete, fulfilled mm-hmm. relationship, communion, fellowship within himself in the beginning. And so it's out of that fullness, satisfaction, completeness, wholeness, community, and love that creation flows.
0: And I'm going to hop in, step in here for a second, because this is... Um this is a conversation I've had as well. It's that picture that he just described of their satisfaction in each other. Mm. Like that's a picture that God has in, in the father, son and Holy spirit. They're fulfilled and they bring forth cre- creativity in life because of their, fulfill- there's no insecurity or doubt in the relationship. It's safe It and they belong. Like it, there's a belonging safe safety, but in marriage, that is exactly the picture it's supposed to be. And out of that safety and oneness comes forth life. But I want to say this as a caveat, a lot of women or men, when they're talking about having children in this conflict, that means already that there is not oneness and a lot of, and, and this is something that actually happened for my, uh, uh, my mother growing and not, not my mother, but a friend of hers and talking about, you do not want to, um, uh, shortcut your marriage. Meaning that if there is sin of any kind of sexual nature and you cover it over for the sake of, well, I'm supposed to please my spouse, then you're lying. Like that, that is, uh, it's not creating oneness. You're actually creating more division and more hurt and pain. And so I want to talk about this idea where they, there's this notion in Christian circles. Well, I just have to, I just have to take it. Oh my gosh, you guys, you need to stop.
1: That's abusive.
0: That is abuse. And then there are so many women who are saying, oh yeah, I, I don't, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Do you know why? Because vice, either way, man or woman, your spouse is not seeing you and you are not safe.
1: There's, it's not loving.
0: It's not love. We
1: go back to the passage in Ephesians uh, on you know, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's a self-sacrifice, mm-hmm. self-giving. And, and isn't it interesting that the whole creation, what is it that God's doing? God the Father, out of love for His Son, creates all things so that the Son can come and win a bride for Himself to then take before His Father and give it all back to His Father. And then the Father gives it all back to Him. Yeah. That is the story. That's the Bible in... 20 seconds yeah. it's that's beautiful. the story that's yeah. that is the story and it's out of that self-giving love christ created all things as it says in in john 1 that the word without him was not anything made that was made he made all things yeah and he made it by the will of his father that he could come and win a bride.
0: And remember, it's about knowing each other. Like, knowing God. God desires for us to know him. He doesn't desire us to know knowledge and facts about it. Oh, I know my wife likes chocolate on her birthday and she likes blah. Yeah. That's not knowing your wife. I'm sorry. No offense. but And vice versa. I know my husband likes his sports game. Like, it's, it's impersonal sorry, just like being bluntly honest. And this is something else that if you're having conflict, (laughs) that means you have to deal with the conflict. You don't push it under the rug and say it's fine. No, that conflict is supposed to, to, we are, what is it, where you grapple with each other and you, uh, what is it, when Sharpens sharpens iron, iron, sharpens sharpens iron. iron. That's the whole purpose as well to become more like Christ. But if we just push things under the rug, what are we actually doing? But we're being like the disciples of satan because they hide in shame and cower Ooh,
1: yeah and so it was that picture in that discussion that it was starting to really break through and transform my thoughts about marriage and go oh this isn't just about you know like i i i was madly in love with you <laughs> And, and God just drew me to you and I, I couldn't I couldn't keep you off of my mind um <laughs> I, I'm just to be honest uh but it wasn't just and I I wasn't I I didn't see myself as having selfish desires and I mean I, I know there are selfish desires obviously um we we're all mm-hmm. bent towards ourselves and so there was that selfish desire that's like I want to marry Lydia because I love Lydia and even the idea of Lydia you know what I mean um but it's it, it was that transforming of my, my mind that's like, oh, God isn't just created this as a good thing for me and my wife to be a part of and to enjoy. It's actually to be a picture of him and to glorify him and also to be a picture of the world of the story of his redemption.
0: And I'm I'm going to butt in here. I just want to tell you, for husbands and wives, you have no idea of what you're missing out on in your relationship Inhibiting life,
1: yeah, we're, we'll talk about that. We said we were going to do that as an episode. I mean, you really itself. have
0: no idea what you're missing. Sorry, okay, I'll, I'll stop,
1: yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as an episode, <laughs> but um, it's so it was from that space of realizing, like, oh, that marriage is so much, it's about so much more than just you and your spouse. Marriage is about so much more than just you and your spouse, mm-hmm. and if we can get beyond that and see that it is about what God. Has done. It's about what God is doing, and it's to be a picture to the
0: world. And if you can imagine teaching your high schoolers and your your youth this, how many children, how many snares would they be uh, f- uh, kept from? Because we're not talking about marriage this way. Instead, it's this: Oh, yay, this is good. You have a spouse now. You know never have to be alone. Why? I mean, sometimes it's better to be alone than to be married. I, so what, what makes yeah
1: be, better a corner of a house yeah, than, than, than with, a quarrelsome with a contentious wife. wife.
0: Yeah. So I, I just, I'm saying, I'm just saying like that it, it's not always a good thing, but God has designed it to be a good thing when it's, imi- when it images him.
1: And, and when, even if we're in a, in a space where, you know, maybe we came to the Lord and only one of us in the relationship knows mm-hmm. the Lord it says that there's still a purpose in in that as well. And so take heart that even if, if you're the only one who knows Christ in the relationship and this isn't something that you can uh, really get on the same page with, there is still purpose for your marriage. Yes. God is still working in that and there's still a picture that he's using for that. And it's for good. So just take heart in that, that mm. that there's a purpose for that. But in continuing the discussion of of, of what this looked like for us, We then move from that space of what marriage is to the practicality of childbearing. And we got down and really answered the question in very simple terms because it's really very simple. We like to complicate this one, but it's really very simple. I hear so many people argue about this and they try to get into the nitty gritties of it, but you come back to the truth of what God's word says and it's very simple. And that is, where does life come from
0: well if you have a man and a woman together then you know it just happens
1: yeah Uh, so many people are it's like you know (laughs) if we weren't planning it would just like we'd be popping out babies like like i don't know like rabbits whatever months they they, like they just keep coming and it's like okay well i'll tell you what you know practically for our marriage we just celebrated our ninth anniversary together um and i feel that god has really blessed us with fruitfulness we have five children in nine years of marriage. so they don't just automatically pop out. Now, I, there I are say that. Yes,
0: yeah. there are some families who do have that, and that is something that God has blessed them with.
1: And again, that's where we get to, is that where do they come from? Because it's not something that just happens. And I, I, even even non-believers recognize this. If you study the science of reproduction in the human body, they still have things that they cannot explain and how it works. Because it's a miracle from God. Mm -hmm. Even if you have all the right settings for for things and you get a perfect goal, so to speak, um, it still takes a miracle from God to make that become a living person. Mm -hmm. So it's ultimately God's work. And we see this in scripture that it says that he is the author of life which means he's the author of all life. And this comes into so many things. And I think uh, the reason why we have bought into this is because American culture is bought into that. We are a cosmic accident evolution. Or, or that, that somehow God has just um, allowed things to Free kind of peace piece together, oh, together. And you know, we've, we've bought into the lie that um, evolution is uh, how the world came into being, even though it doesn't scientifically, it, it doesn't match up. If you, really in-depth study those things um but but somehow that worldview is still crept in and it comes to that same space of biology between a man and a woman that children just happen a plus b equals a baby and that's just not true it takes god intervening and doing a miracle doing a miracle just like creation was a miracle you cannot explain creation by science, because it's a miracle from God. It is a supernatural act. Same with having children. You can look at all the things in biology and see it and explain parts of how it's functioning, but it takes a miracle from God. And we know this because it says time and time again throughout the Old Testament, God opened the womb and God closed the womb. God opened the womb and God closed the womb. And
0: how many times specifically women are praying for children and God's like, Hey, I'm going to send you an angel and I'm going to tell you, you know, Samson's going to be born and Isaac's going to be born and Jacob and Esau are going to be born and uh, Mary. Yeah. Elizabeth. I mean, just so many times that this happens over and over again. And with Leah, he saw that she was unloved. So he gave her a baby.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's like, and now you're done. And now Rachel's going to have a baby and now she's done. And it's your turn again. It's like, it's, it's God. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a very, that's a, that's a messed up family situation <laughs> right there. We, we will be talking about that, but not in this podcast. But the point of this is, is that we got down to that very simple question. We walk through together in scripture saying, who is the author of life? Where does life come from? And really just boiling down and saying, Stephen, is it possible for you to create a child? And the only answer to that question, the only biblical answer to that question is, is no i cannot create life
0: and if you cannot create life then what what business do we have in trying, in trying to, to control, control it? it yeah so i did it gently and over time it was it was a i don't remember how long of a conversation i think it was a two two-part conversation because I had first asked the question and yeah, you he said go sweet. go read go yeah. read and listen to you know in your theology class because you know he's going to talk about this and as he did he came back and he's like whoa like, yeah, only God can. And I was like, so if we're intentionally inhibiting it, because that's what we're trying to do, if we're trying to inhibit life. So that's
1: really the only control that we have. Yes. And this is this is a cop-out answer that I hear so many people say is that, well, if God's the author of life and he wants me to have life, even if I'm inhibiting it, he can make it happen.
0: Do you know that that's like saying, I'm not, I don't want the blessings of God. And if he wants me to have the blessings, I guess he'll, he'll give them to me. But here's the thing. He also allows us to suffer the consequences of our choices.
1: Yeah. Like David, he allowed to suffer the consequences of going astray. Jonah suffered consequences of going astray. He got to spend three days in the belly of a fish. Yeah. I don't think that that's necessarily what we want to do. And God will carry us through that and and he'll be faithful to us. But let's not walk our families through
0: that. I'm going to talk about the physical for just a second how many women have been put on birth control or any other kind of estrogen dominant stuff. And then when they want to have a baby can't because the Satan, again, this is discipleship of Satan. I'm going to destroy the the female body from being able to, uh, to carry life unless God does something, which again, God can do something, but he also allows us to walk through the consequences of our choices.
1: And that's how he's designed yeah. our bodies. He's he's designed the woman to bear life. Mm-hmm. That's his design. I, I know as much as the the world really wants to say that's not true. And is that's how he's designed woman.
0: And as uncomfortable as this is, and so many husbands and wives have talked about how they're so disappointed that it only took one time around for them to get pregnant because they had fun, around the time that the woman would ovulate, instead of stopping and not having and intentionally inhibiting intimacy during those times. Do you know what you're missing out? I'm sorry, that's another comment. Yeah, but do you hoping, know yeah. what you're missing out on and yeah. how you're destroying your relationship?
1: And that's a story that we stay. Like I've heard people say, I was like, oh, one time then just took one shot. You know, I love that phrase of having fun. I've, I I can't tell you how many people I've heard say that yep. phrase. Um, so many guys. What if we changed that story and said that, you know, how quickly... The mercy and blessings and grace of God comes to us when we turn to his ways, Mm -hmm. that he answers us like that, saying that as soon as you're ready for him to do his miraculous work, he will be there for you. He can. And that's not everyone's story, because again, there are so many tragic stories where that damage has been done um, and we do reap those consequences. But I will say, how many times does God's grace meet us mm-hmm. instantly?
0: And I want to say for those who do have hormonal issues, there are things you can do. And I want to say this very strongly. Even things like endometriosis, where they say it's impossible. That is also the world speaking the discipleship of Satan. Yeah. The because, human body
1: yeah. is designed to heal.
0: If you give it what it needs to heal.
1: God has designed it to heal. Again, it's a, it's a worldview issue that we're battling here. Mm-hmm are we going to submit to the lies that we have been born into being children of satan we are all it let's just openly admit that we are all born children of satan i love it we um the the there's a baptismal liturgy uh for uh infants in the anglican church uh and it talks about making vows on behalf of the child that then they will later come and and repeat themselves uh, denying and, and turning away from repenting from Satan hmm. and his lies. It's there's the, that section of it. it's in the adult baptism too. Now I think about it, but it's, there's an active turning away. It says, "Will will you renounce the things of Satan, the lies of this world, all those things. And once you've renounced all those things, then there's a turning. It says, will you turn to Christ? and submit to him, follow him, and be centered as where all these things. That's the, what the Christian life is about. And when we come into the waters of baptism, it is the beginning of a putting to death of the old man and a raising up to new life in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And our entire life is walking in that and, and learning to live into the fullness of, of who God has made us to be, living fully into the design of who God has made us to be, even as a family, even as a husband and wife. What has he designed us for? What is this relationship for? What's the purpose? What's the function? And taking hold of these things. If you will take hold of these areas in your life and you have that courage to have that conversation with your spouse who may not be on board with these things, you are transforming generations. Generations. You are changing the story for generations mm-hmm. to come, and it's eternal matters yeah. here.
0: And that was a <laughs> the reason I went quote viral, whatever that is, and so many people started chatting because I mentioned that eternal aspect. We talk about children are so expensive, and and grandparents are like, yeah, I don't, I hope that there's no more because, you know, they're super expensive, and you go, wow, like do you realize that that is your heritage? Like that was the con- the the reel that I did is you, you can focus all of your time and money and education on all these things that are going to burn up. And the only thing that's going to last are these little eternal treasures that are your inheritance from the Lord. And instead, of, are we going to continue to follow what the world says of Oh well, this is inconvenient and it's taking away my fun. Or this is the purpose of my life. And what was that quote from C.S. Lewis? Yeah, C.S.
1: Lewis said, yeah. "I'm going to get it wrong, but I was reading a quote from him. It's basically saying that the, the career, the vocation of the homemaker is the highest office that anyone can attain to, and any other vocation or career, is supplemental to that.
0: It's to support that homemaker. That that care. And what's interesting about that, is that's the picture of God. I mean, really. And it's so hard in our culture now at, to be homemakers because that's like, oh, someone's going to, you know, hit me about I'm not doing enough. But what better privilege?
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's that's our, our I mean, like that, like our family, like that we our dreams that we have of of mm-hmm. opening up a home for children who are planned to be aborted. Um, the, the hope is that we the the work that we're doing as a couple is we, we have a family business that we run. Uh, The hope is for that family business to become stable enough and strong enough that we uh, are continuing to have more time to be homemakers together, to be pouring into our children and the future children that God blesses us with.
0: And that's something I want to say, mothers and fathers, you are a team and each of you has different gifts from God. I love one-on-one conversations. I don't do great with lots lots of people. He does great. With like, we're going to go out as a team and we're going to like build something together. And I'm like, that's great. Get three of my kids together to try to do an art project. And I feel very frustrated because I can't, I don't have six arms. (laughs) But God has designed each of us to complement each other. It's not this like, oh, well, I'm the mom. So I am supposed to. And he's the mom, uh, the dad, and he should. Sometimes God does different things because it's together that he's also imaging himself. So it's not, oh, it's not a cookie cutter Christian, everybody. It's not. It's not what God designed. He designed us uniquely, each of us with different talents and gifts and abilities and spiritual gifts that He's given us.
1: And what's it for? it's it's for the life of the world. Yeah, it's for it's for glorifying him and bringing that message of hope living into His story with the gifts that God has given you in. What whatever it is,
0: I highly encourage that uh, series. The for the life of the world, it's a what is it? A it's little a video series, mm-hmm. yeah. It's very.
1: I'll try to remember to compelling. link it
0: in the show notes. Yeah.
1: yeah, so that's that's how the conversation went for us. Like I said, we were. I, I'm so so thankful that that was something that we had, that we worked through, that we wrestled through. Mm-hmm before marriage, before we were engaged. That was a, I look back on that now and I go, wow, that was such a tremendous blessing because I don't think that those are conversations that most couples are having. Um, it just shows like that we, we really need to be having those things. And I I hope that if you take nothing else away from this is that you start passing on those things to your children say, maybe, maybe it's not something that you can do and fix in your generation, but maybe the next generation can, can fight that battle mm-hmm. can can conquer that stronghold and change that story for the future generations to come.
0: Teaching them what marriage is as opposed to what the world says it is.
1: Yeah. So we hope that whatever situation you're in, that God is with you in that, that you, you take that away, that he is with you. There's a purpose for it where you are. Mm-hmm. It's good. And there's so much love and so much grace in these things. God wants to transform our hearts one step at a time, one day at a time. That's why we're here. It's not that's why we're we're not, you know, as soon as we come to know the Lord, he doesn't just blink us up into heaven and we're done. Transform. He's yeah. he's preparing our hearts for eternity. I love that what your what your mom says all the time. That this is this is boot camp mm-hmm. for for the real life. Yeah. The real eternal life that we're entering into. It's all about transforming our hearts so i hope that your family and your household will be open to the transforming work of god every step through knowing that we are born children of satan and he's making us into children of god
0: and i want to close out by praying for this because this is a spiritual war that you're having in your family and uh It's not easy, but taking a stand and being bold and courageous because the Lord is with you wherever you go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to share the story that you've given us. It's not because we had anything super, like, there's nothing that we had. It's that you've blessed us with these, I mean, for me, generations who loved life and children and, and passed those promises down. And Father, I ask as, uh, the people who listen to this podcast, that you would bless them, that the words that Stephen and I have spoken would be of you. And that, um, as they talk to their spouse and their families and their friends about this topic, that you would give grace and a spirit of peace in the midst of, I am sure, uh, lots of different emotions. And I ask that, um, there would be much life that comes forth. As you are the God of abundant life, it's not just a little bit, but you give lavishly. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Full Quiver Parenting.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to leave a comment and a review.
0: Remember, a full quiver is not a number, but a spirit of openness to welcome the children God gives us, whether of our own flesh, through adoption, or of spiritual descent.
1: To get more involved in our community, join our group Full Quiver Parenting on Facebook.
0: See you next time.